Today on CityCast Boise, it's Friday, and I've got lead producer Frankie Barnhill and Boise State Public Radio's George Prentice with me to dig into the week's news. We're talking Idaho women's soccer being repped at the Women's World Cup, how heat kills, and Planned Parenthood's bold new billboards. It's Friday, July 28th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Frankie. Hi, George. Hi. Hello. Happy Friday. Yeah. So good to be here with both of you. Absolutely. I know. I've missed you both. And I'm excited because we so often start with like bad news, bad news, and then we try to do good news. But this time it's good news first. And we get to start with George, you did this really fun story this week about women's soccer in Idaho. And I just adored your guest. She was amazing. Yeah, we're always looking for that connection, right? I mean, the World Cup is is pretty low-hanging fruit, but where's our connection? So I reached out to Allison Gibson, who in her own right was an All-American on the field. As a coach over at Idaho State University, she holds the record for most wins. But I think most importantly, she is the president of Indy Chica's Football Club, uh, which is a women's football club here in the Treasure Valley. And they help develop uh, young women as young as four and five, all the way up to 18, those vying for college scholarships in camps, but mostly in, in empowerment. And we talked about how their methods are a bit different on the field and It was one of those conversations that exceeded my expectations. It was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, we talked about World Cup, but I think I think uh, a lot of parents probably leaned into the conversation. Yeah, I loved what she said about, you know, that they're not really so concerned about winning each match, that it's not uh, about that, that the competition, the competitive spirit is there for sure. But I loved what she said about like, we're trying to grow whole people here. You know, we're trying to help build people who can face adversity, face resilience, you know, have resilience. I thought she just had so many cool things to say about why girls should be in sports like this. I thought it was really interesting because I'm always curious about really five years old out on the field. But when she said, we are firm believers, if it's no longer fun, if it's not, it's it's just not worth doing. Yeah. Uh, So in other words, if you're not having fun, yeah, you probably want to be doing something else. Uh, But for those who are really into it, I love the idea of not shouting orders, pacing up and down the field, but using, she was quite open, using the Socratic method. And as we know, and I love that, right? You ask a question and the answer just triggers another question. It's it's always peeling, you know, the layers off of something uh, so that a player and ultimately a team figure it out on their own and together and all the pieces. I, I love that part of the conversation. 
Yeah. And as a mom who has had multiple kids in lots of different sports, thank God my kids were bad at soccer because that's some 6 a.m. crap right there. Uh, (laughs) But they played, they did everything. And when my youngest uh, was in wrestling, one time a coach, he was five. They were that little in wrestling. A coach got in his face at a match and screamed, there's no smiling in wrestling. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. And he started um, dance shortly after that. (laughs) I was like, he's five. I think he's still allowed to be smiling and having a good time while he's doing stuff. So I really love that they're they're trying to infuse this with joy, with learning. I thought that was so cool. And it was so cool that she said we have a couple Idaho players on the national teams. Of course, uh, we uh, are big fans of, of uh, Sofia Huerta on Team USA, the first Idahoan to make any uh, Team USA soccer team, men or women. Go, Sofia. Yeah, and and she has seen uh, some uh, some playing time already in the World Cup. And what I didn't realize, and, and there's a connection here to Indy Chicas, and that is mm-hmm. Maria Sanchez out of American Falls. Oh, and cool. she plays yeah. for the Mexican national team, and she is on the board of directors of Indy Chicas, too. So can you imagine these players? It's like, oh, my gosh, you're a World Cup player. Talk about inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, stars. <laughs> I was very glad to hear that they don't practice during the summer (laughs) because, and Frankie, I'm going to turn this over to you because I think it's been on everybody's mind. Uh, The heat, oh my gosh, this last couple of weeks has been unbearable. It's been really, really rough. And I was like, good, I'm glad they're not trying to play soccer (laughs) in 106 degree heat out here. Right, right. It would make me anxious on their behalf. Uh, Yeah. um, Triple digits. We've, we've seen them. It's happened. I mean, it's, it happens every summer in Boise, of course, but um, we're seeing these repetitive streaks of longer periods of time of, of triple digits. Um, And, you know, right now, thankfully, it looks like the forecast, we're kind of in that mid to upper nineties for the next few days, but triple digits will return. um, And we know it's affecting vulnerable communities, most people who don't have access to AC and maybe don't even have access to consistent shelter. So want to shout out, we've we've talked about them before, but the folks with um, Boise Kitchen Collective, which is a mutual aid group, um, Emma, you actually reshared this on your Instagram and I saw it there, that they have this huge need for, uh, besides hot meals that they um, hand out every Wednesday at Rhodes uh, Skate Park, they've also seen massive um, popularity uh, for their electrolyte packets, that people are scooping those up big time to, you know, help re- replenish uh, uh, the, those fluids. Um, watermelon is going really quickly. Sunscreen and wet wipes and pipe, uh, popsicles, as well as of course the food and water that people need. Um, so yeah, just keeping that in mind that uh, we're all feeling it, and thankfully many, most of us have uh, access to air conditioning, but there are some people who still do not have that. Yeah, um, if you follow them on Instagram, Boise Kitchen Collective. They uh, have great lists of stuff you can drop off if you don't have time or money to make a meal. Those electrolyte packets are actually only like $1.50 at like Walgreens or Rite Aid. Yeah, they're super cheap. And you could just grab a couple boxes of those, drop them off, or grab some Gatorades, grab some popsicles. They go really, really fast uh, down there. The sunscreen wipes are really popular. I know they they have asked people to get those um, multiple times. So yeah, it makes me think, George, you also just had this amazing conversation with uh, Jeff Goodell about his book, The Heat Will Kill You First, Life and Death on a Scorched Planet. And 
Oof, uh, I I read through some parts of the book and was just like, yikes. <laughs> it's it's really interesting though. Yeah, his inbox is blowing up. He is uh, he's a journalist. He's written a number of books about climate change. This has been, uh, he told me he's been working on it for a couple of years now. But can you imagine? It is just hitting shelves this summer, as quite frankly, the world is blowing up. Uh, so, one of the things that I asked. For him, I love it when when authors read a, a, a selection of of their own book. I just want to share this with you. Sure, please. Uh, it, it's a, it's a short passage from his book. Nobody expected a seventy degree jump in temperature during a heat wave in Antarctica in twenty twenty one, and yet it happened. Nobody expected one hundred twenty degrees in British Columbia, but it happened. Nobody expected one hundred four degrees in London. It happened. The current record high in Phoenix is 122 degrees. Could it hit 135? How about 140? If not in Phoenix, how about in your city? It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. And his book not only chronicles um, the data, um, it really, it, it takes us to some really interesting places. One of my favorite parts is adaptability and how we as humans are not adapting. But animals and plants are adapting to the heat. Animals are moving away from the heat. For instance, did you know squirrels use their tails as parasols? Oh, no. What? <laughs> Rabbits send the blood up to their ears when it's too hot, away from their core to stay cool. And they move away from hot climates. Plants are moving away from the heat. They're bending away from the heat and their seeds are blowing further away from the heat. And yet we humans continue to move toward the heat and crank up air conditioning. The data shows that we are still moving to the southwest, to the southeast. The, we move away from floods. For some reason, we're still not moving away from the heat. I hope this year might change that, but it's not changing anytime soon. I don't know how it wouldn't. I don't know if you saw recently these articles the last couple of days about um, people getting extreme burns from falling on the pavement in Phoenix, in Arizona. I mean, like literally like third degree severe burning from the elderly, the unhoused, you know, touching pavement, touching metal at a bus stop and stuff like that. Yeah. And something actually from the book uh, that I, a little blurb that I read that really kind of shocked me was what extreme heat actually does to the human body. Like I think, like a lot of people, I just assumed, well, even if it's 120, if you drink enough water, you'll be fine. You just have to not dehydrate. But like the book says we literally fall apart. Very fit people in their 20s go hiking or go running and have died in this heat. Um, yeah, the human body can't really adjust to this. Um, and quite frankly, really, even the most fit among us is vulnerable. But we need to talk about perhaps the most vulnerable, and that are that's those who have to work in the heat, right? And we, we need to talk about farm workers. Mm -hmm. And in 2021, a particular farm worker in Oregon died in the heat because he was afraid to take a break and go into the shade. That got a lot of attention, and the state of Oregon and the state of Washington created laws to protect them for cooling breaks, 
uh, water is required to be distributed, shade is required. This is something that we have to talk about in Idaho. This is something that we can do. Should there be national laws? Of course there are. There's a movement among OSHA you know, to do that, but that will probably take years. To our listeners, this is something we need to talk about. We can do this. We need to do this. We have to put this on people's records. Yeah, George, that's such a great point. And we've talked a little bit about there's the um, heat and uh, heat and smoke relief fund um, that uh, one of the nonprofits in the Treasure Valley is put together. Um, we'll link to that as well for people to take direct action. But I think your call to the legislature uh, to think about this is a really important one. And for people who care about these issues at all to, to be making this a priority. There was another thing that he mentioned in that book that was kind of in a blurb about the luxury of air conditioning, that the cool and the damned is what it was called. What is what is he talking about there? The difference between people who can afford it and air conditioning who can't. It might be the most tangible gap between the haves and the have nots. Yeah, we do have AC, but who is we, by the way, <laughs> right? And and, and can we afford these electrical bills? But yet, we, we continue to turn toward air conditioning. And by the way, it's not as if climate change recognizes state lines or national borders. We know for a fact that China continues to lean more toward air conditioning and, as a re and their coal is continuing to fire uh, the climate change. So yeah, we, we, we've got to talk about this. I, I had a really lengthy conversation about this the other day with my colleagues. And it's probably like a lot of the conversations that, that you guys are having, uh, that the listeners are having, where half of the half of them just throw up their arms and say, well, we're all screwed. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, little little changes aren't going to matter if I get an electric car or if I get an electric bike. And I just don't believe that. The, the more people, uh, and I, it's not being Pollyannish, it's just by listening to the people who are engaged and who are trying to move the needle. Because what else are you going to do other than try to move the needle? The nihilism is so dangerous uh, with all of this, or just feeling like there's nothing that can be done. Um, a lot of scientists talk about this, how they find, you know, they're, they're steeped in the data. They know where things could be headed, but trying to remember that there's still opportunities to uh, at least, you know, not make it as bad as it could be, um, turn back the clock on some things and perhaps even see if there's, you know, efforts to be made that could actually make things go in the opposite direction. The city of Boise has a climate action plan, but the city of Meridian doesn't. Right. So, <laughs> so, but that said, you know, uh, we should still follow the climate action plan and try to get to that carbon neutral goal, which I think is still pretty ambitious. But for goodness sakes, there are some really smart people who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And it's interesting as somebody who has like young adults, you know, for children, um, my kids are like, I just had a conversation with my 15 year old the other day where he was talking about how everyone his age feels really hopeless and feels really like, you know, oh, you have to get good grades in, in high school so that you can go to a college so you can he's like, but then on the other hand, they're saying like, oh, the transatlantic uh, 
uh, current is just about to collapse and it's 100 degrees off the coast of Florida in the water, you know, and he's like, it's really mixed messaging as a young person to, to like, oh, just keep doing your emails, but also things are on fire, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's very hard. Well, it's really easy to get pessimistic, that's for sure. And, and yeah. quite frankly, the, I, I, what I do for a living doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, I had that story. It was a 101 degrees at surface water off the coast of Florida this week. I mean, that's a world record. That's a fact. Uh, and that is killing our coral reefs. But there are people who are diving into those reefs and trying to plant new reefs. And uh, yeah, and they, they, they believe, no, it's not too late. Well, I love, I love your optimism. And it's a good reminder that like, the things you do matter, the small, the small gestures, the big ones, all of it, the things really, really matter. Well, before we go, I, I feel like I could talk about this all day, but I feel like before we go, I want to talk about some of this. Uh, Frankie, this is so interesting. Planned Parenthood is putting up some billboards and Boise residents are about to start seeing them. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm a big fan already, <laughs> obviously, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Our, um, our Hey Boise newsletter editor, Blake Hunter, wrote a great article about this, putting it into context. But the news that Planned Parenthood is doing this very provocative thing uh, that I think people like you, um, Emma, are cheering on, to say the least. Um, they've bought advertising space at six different locations in the Treasure Valley for billboards. They will say... Extremist politicians in Idaho don't want you to know this. Planned Parenthood does. Abortion is legal in Oregon and Washington. And of course, this is a response to, uh, specifically, to uh, Attorney General Raul Labrador, who wrote a letter to Representative Grant Crane during the legislative session that said that an Idaho doctor who refers a patient to another state for abortion care uh, could be facing legal pe penalties for that. Um, and, you know, this whole thing, there, it's confusing for a reason. We've talked about that on the podcast a lot. Um, the murkiness, uh, the fear that um, doctors feel uh, when somebody like uh, in power, like Attorney General Raul Labrador, um, writes a letter to another person in power in the legislature saying, yeah, this this should be something we look into. And this could be, this is illegal, um, potentially. That, you know, that really makes people very scared. And so Planned Parenthood is, is fighting back in this way. And it'll be really interesting to see uh, what conservative um, response is to these billboards. Yeah, a legal opinion from the AG's office is real. Yeah. So is the lawsuit against the AG uh, that Planned Parenthood has lodged. But the fact is, even Planned Parenthood CEO and providers have been asked, and they, for now, are their hands are tied. But the First Amendment is also legal. And that's basically what we're talking about when you're putting <laughs> billboards up. And also, I think they're taking out some ads in some publications. Yeah. And it seems super necessary. I think I saw it on KTVB, um, uh, someone from, I, I forget who, but somebody, one of the representatives from Planned Parenthood said that she was in a restaurant and the server, they were talking. And when she found out she was from Planned Parenthood, she was a grown woman, an adult, and she said, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to cross the border. I'm pregnant. I don't want to be. I don't know what my rights are. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. And that was part of the reason she said, oh, my gosh, we have to get the word out that it's still legal to go to Oregon and Washington for the re reproductive care that you need. And I thought that was so 
interesting that, you know, even adults, I mean, I know it's a different set of laws and situation going on with teens right now, but even a lot of adults who are pregnant aren't really sure what their rights are on purpose, you know? Yeah, I did. I did some digging. I was curious if Planned Parenthood has done this in any other state that has, you know, bans like this. I couldn't find anything else uh, exactly like this. So if anybody else has seen it, um, uh, let me know. But I did find that they actually put up billboards in uh, blue states and states where abortion access is still legal um, right after the Roe decision last summer. And those billboards said, you are entering uh, New Mexico, which protects abortion rights. Go to abortionfinder.com. And so that was interesting, too, that there's been this, you know, originally that they were putting these billboards up in states where access states, as they call them. And now they're putting up in a state that doesn't have access to tell them about where an access state is and to try to clarify what the law is currently. But to be clear, again, these billboards are in the Treasure Valley. True. Right. They're not in the Magic Valley. They're not in Coeur d'Alene. They're not. <laughs> yeah. in They're not in Jerome. <laughs> Yet, George. Yet. <laughs> well, well, no. But I think yeah. it's important to note that they are not in communities where that message actually might connect. Yeah. Uh, and and have some more urgency. Um, so it's very. Of course, it's a it's a commercial transaction, right? It's it's uh, who's who's going to sell them that billboard space. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that it's in the Treasure Valley. So therefore, I think, for lack of a better phrase, it's in a safe place. Sure. Um, it'll be really interesting, though, if it goes into other communities where that message might have a, a bit more urgency. That's a really good point. And also I had, I think, you know, I hope they do more. I hope they have a bunch more because I've been seeing all over the Treasure Valley these, uh, they're like fake pregnancy crisis. Those are, I'm not going to name it just in case I get in trouble. (laughs) But they have these billboards for, you know, these supposed, supposed like emergency pregnancy clinics, but they're fake clinics. And when you go, they just uh, sort of waste your time long enough that there's no way that you could legally could get an abortion. And I've been seeing a bunch of those recently. And wondering if there would be any sort of counteraction for those. So I I mean, four is, I mean, I am glad that they're doing a, um, a handful of them, of them in the Treasure Valley. But I think, George, your point is right that like Pocatello needs these. Uh, Burley, send them up to Lemhi County. Tell them I, I want you to. I'm, I'm not advocating for that just as a journalist. <laughs> no, no. But I think it begs the question. And the fact is, um, I know and you know that there are communities of people in need of health care of all, of all kinds. And uh, a message about health care has urgency in communities that have a lower GDP. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And just to say that the uh, lawsuit that, that George mentioned that Planned Parenthood has lodged against uh, Attorney General Raul Labrador, that, that suit is still pending. No major news on that. That was filed um, earlier in the spring. So that's still pending. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And I can't wait to see these billboards. I uh, I can say I advocate for them because you two are serious <laughs> journalists, but I'm a bar clown. So, <laughs> um, Frankie, just before we go, we need to give people a sneak peek at something we've been working on behind the scenes here at CityCast Boise, something we're very excited about. Wow, I'm excited. Yes, I'm breaking the news even to George uh, and to everyone. Um, (laughs) This is something that you had the original idea, Emma, and then we all got together on the team and said, this is brilliant. And the brilliance is all about 
our best friends, AKA our dogs. Um, we know that Boise loves dogs so much. Uh, you and I uh, both love our dogs that we um, love to take to dog parks in Boise um, and to, uh, yeah, just really celebrate the, the wonderful thing that is the human and pet connection. And so we're launching a series we're calling The Dog Days of Boise. Um, and we're uh, starting our first conversation on Monday. Uh, you talked with... Um, um, Shelly Volsh, who, George, you know her. She's a Boise State anthropologist, and she's done a lot of research about the connection between uh, dogs and humans um, evolutionarily, and then also in the real world. She talked about her dog, Lucy. We can't wait to hear more about Lucy on Monday. Um, and we're also going to talk about pet parenting. What does it mean to, uh, in this day and age, um, be a pet parent, uh, not necessarily a dog owner? The language there is important. We're also going to have conversations later on about things like, uh, what do you think about spontaneous or illegal dog parks? Um, Emma, I know you have <laughs> thoughts on that, and we'll talk about that more. Um, we're also going to get into, uh, honestly, just like, what's our favorite spots to take our dogs? What are, what are some uh, audience favorites? So if anybody has any suggestions, we want to hear them. Um, and the big question we're asking is, how friendly two dogs is Boise really? Can we crown ourselves the, the dog friendliest city in America? I want the answer to be yes. Um, we want to hear from our listeners about that. So email us, uh, Boise at citycast.fm. Um, also, are totally down to get your pictures of your dogs out in Boise enjoying. Send us those dogs. I want to see them pups. <laughs> we want to see your puppies and we want to share that on our socials and on our website. So yeah, that's that's the big thing we've been working on behind the scenes. We're excited to get it, get it started next week. Going to be so fun. And I feel like just a perfect August, uh, just a perfect way to spend August. Yes. I'm talking about people's pups. And I'm going to be going around to all of the dog parks in the Treasure Valley, testing them out, letting you know what I think. I already have a couple of favorites and I already went to one that I was like, cannot wait to talk crap about this <laughs> on, on the mic. So <laughs> it is going to be really fun. And I hope people tune in. Um, Frankie, George, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you have an incredible weekend. Absolutely. You too. San Ignacio is uh, this weekend. Yes, so, yes. so there's a reason to get out. I, Will you I, be down? Got to go for the food, right? Even Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be down there. Croquetas. Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> gotta get them. not the worst weather either. Not even going to be over 100. So get down there. Go to the San Ignacio. <laughs> right. Also to my family who listen, who tuned in for the Basque food episode. I'm sorry I said chorizo <laughs> wrong. Nope. I said it wrong again. Dang it. <laughs> what, what did you say? Chorizo? We said chorizo with the Spanish pronunciation, and my Basque family was not pleased that we didn't use the Basque oh, pronunciation, okay. which is, hold on, hold on, it's worth it. It's worth me not getting in trouble. Chorizo is the Basque. You roll the R, though. Uh, chorizo. Evelyn's going to kill me. Chorizo. So we got to do the show instead of the zoo. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Basque family. I love you. I love you, Frankie and George. And we'll right. see you again soon. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Thanks so much, you guys. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Frankie Barnhill, Evelyn Avitia, A.K.L. Mootman, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye.
Yeah. AK, we're good. <laughs> AK, you can stop hit recording. Stop. <laughs>